Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
This is the final week, as I said, of the sermon series called The Branch Life. Uh, Remember, we talked about lifestyle brands week one. Those are brands that if you see somebody sporting those things like Harley Davidson, I think I saw a Harley Davidson picture with you, Brenda. Did you have Harley? Yeah. You can tell Brenda's a Harley person. You can't really tell right now, but, um, or the Salt Life. Those are just two lifestyle brands that when you see people, you, you kind of know who they are, get a sense for them. As Christians, though, we're called to be branch life people, people connected to the divine, uh, as described in John 15. Th- this passage, remember, details the final moments of Jesus's life before he would be crucified. In John 14, he's with his closest followers and has the Last Supper. In John 15, they they leave from that place and start heading towards the Garden of Gethsemane, where he would be betrayed by Judas. As they're walking, Jesus wants them to be, be prepared for the coming days, for their life, right? And he talks to them about this vineyard and gives them an image, a metaphor that they can be reminded of and that they could learn from. He gives them a picture that they can keep going back to. And that's what we want for us today, too. A picture that helps us, a picture that would help them understand the type of relationship that we need to have with God. Um, This is what the branch life is all about. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Do you have this this passage highlighted? Hopefully you almost got it memorized by now, right? Right? I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, nobody wants to hear a a person up here speaking. We want to hear from you. 
We want your word to ring loud and clear in our hearts. Lord, would you unpack it? Would you speak to us, Lord? And would you be glorified in everything? Father, we love you, and we give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. To recap, this is week four, right? To recap, he, he starts off and tells them, hey, I am the true vine, right? They are the branches. If you are, uh, stay connected to me, you're going to bear much fruit. But if you aren't, you're not going to be able to bear anything, right? Now, this is especially significant for these disciples because they're going to be a part of changing the world, right? Jesus started this movement. He's tr- going to turn it over to them. He's going to lead them in it, but he's going to entrust this to them. And that was the plan that he had for them, to take the gospel around the world, right? And he has to get them ready to do that. But how do you do that? This is a huge undertaking, right? A a, a few hundred in the beginning becomes billions. Notice Jesus doesn't give them a a 500-page plan, though, and on what they need to do. Instead, he gives them a simple mandate, and then he tells them, hey, you need to be connected to the true vine. You need to be connected in order to produce the fruit, the, the kind of, of fruit that will change the world, that will change yourself, right? So week one, we, we said we need to focus in on connection over production. Week two, we looked at two different branches that are connected to the vine. Verse two says he cuts off, or maybe better translated, he picks up every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So we saw the gardener who represents God the Father will come around and check the branches to see if they're connected, right? If there is a branch that's connected and it's in the dirt, in the mud, and not producing fruit, he's going to pick up that branch, clean it off, and tie it, uh, intertwine it with other branches, prop it up on a rock. And, And we said, man, that's a great image of what this church needs to be about, right? It's a great metaphor for the church. If a branch is producing fruit, though, what's he going to do? He's going to trim it. He's going to prune it, right? Why? so that it will bear even more fruit. What needs to be pruned in your life? That's what we're talking about, some of the things that we're talking about uh, on this Halloween day. What needs to be pruned in your life? What's getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe it's another relationship, a a bad relationship. Maybe it's a habit. It, It might not even be something that's bad, but just something that's sucking up all of your time like a sucker branch, right? What is God calling you to lay down, to give up, to surrender? Uh, Last time, we talked about abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ, focusing in on our connection. And I asked you, what stirs your heart towards God? And what doesn't? What are those things that stir your heart? We need to focus in on those. Bible reading, prayer, church. Even the music that we listen stirs our heart one way or the other, right? Books that we read. Focus in on those things that stir your heart towards Christ. Abiding in Christ, we said, is the key for us to have fruit that's produced in our lives, through our lives, right? 
And we mentioned this last week. If you study uh, viniculture instead of horticulture, you'll see that with most plants, like trees and bushes and fruiting plants, these, these plants build good root structures, deep root structures that spread out, right? And, and these branches, in turn, use these systems to, to suck nutrients into themselves from the roots, from the, truck, from the trunks. They, they, they suck moisture. And, and, and different things from the base. But with the vine, we said that it has a very shallow root structure, a less substantial root system, not a, a whole lot there to the roots. So instead, the vine pushes the nutrients into the branches. It pushes it, right? So the branch doesn't pull. The branch doesn't suck. The branch is pushed into by the vine, pressed into by the vine. If we abide in Christ, if we remain in Christ, if we have a good connection to him, right, we will start to have his essence pressed into us. If there's a connection there, right, and we're open to it, that's what will happen. Him coming into us. The perfect Christ will start to press into our lives, and in turn, fruit will come. Not just any fruit, right? But real fruit, the fruits of the Spirit. You'll, become to be, you'll start to become like Him. You'll start to resemble Him because He's pressing into you. And through that, that's where the fruit comes. With that kind of pressing into you, you can't stop it. If you're connected to him, you can't stop it. That is if you're, if you're surrendered to him as well. It's going to happen. So the important thing to ask is, am I connected to him? Are you connected to him? Do you see fruit through that connection? Right? This is huge. Uh, religion teaches that if you want to become like Christ, you have to have the right thinking and you have to have the right behavior. You need to focus in on the things you're supposed to do and the things that you're not supposed to do. You follow the rules, and holiness comes through that. But that doesn't work. That doesn't last. Christianity says that it's all about Christ dwelling in you and you in him, right? And by doing that, that's where the real fruit, that's where the real change comes from. That's where the, the, the good things come out of, right? The, the fruit of the Spirit, we know what that is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? I asked you, what would be better for the people in your life, the people that you have relationships what would be better for them to you, for you to start producing more of that? What would be better for them for you to start growing in those areas? Well, today we're going to be looking at the third branch, and these are the branches that are not connected to the vine. These are the branches that are on the ground. Verse 6 says this. He says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. A couple things that we need to nail down right from the beginning, right? First thing that you need to notice is this is not about works. This is not about that. This is not about fruit, right? It doesn't say anyone who doesn't produce fruit is thrown away. 
That's an indicator. It's true because we know that without, uh, faith without works is dead. But this is about anyone who does not remain in me, abide in me. If we're not doing that, then we're the ones that will be thrown away. We'll be the ones that wither, right? Second thing, who's throwing the branch away? Who's doing that? When I first read this, I immediately thought the gardener or, or God was doing it. But it really doesn't say that, right? The other two branches, the, the gardener picks up and the gardener prunes. This doesn't mention the gardener, though, because this is about our choice. And we need to be reminded of that. We choose whether to remain. We choose whether to abide. And those decisions have consequences, though. We choose whether to detach ourselves from the vine. And that should scare us. We choose whether to throw ourselves away from the vine. We do that when we quit abiding in him. And when we do that, we start to wither. And we start to die. And we become useless. How can Christ press into us if there's no opportunity if we're not abiding in him, if we're not surrendering our will in worship to him, right? When a branch falls off the vine, it goes from being a branch to being a stick. Just a dead stick, right? A branch is only a branch if it's connected to the vine. Because the moment it stops being connected to the vine, it stops being a branch with life and just starts being a stick. If you're a stick, the only thing you can hope to produce is fake fruit. You'll never produce real fruit, right? You'll never bear real fruit because you have nothing pressing into you. You won't have the fruit of the Spirit if you aren't connected to the true vine. This, this is a picture of religion. And listen, this is what some of you might have here today. It sticks pretending to or trying to produce fruit. But all there is is just fake fruit because it's just coming from you. It's just coming from your strength, right? Some people experience this. And this is what they point to when they say, man, I'm just done with the church. Because all they're experiencing is something fake, right? It feels fake. They, they know it feels fake. And so they think this is all just bogus, right? Or maybe you got close to someone who said they were a Christian, said they were a follower of Christ, and you thought they were branches. You thought they had real fruit, but it turned out to just be fake fruit. And so you started to question, is this really Christianity? Because this person isn't who they say they are, who they're pretending to be. Right? Maybe it's you, though. You came to church. You heard the messages, right? The call to produce fruit. And no matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't produce anything that would last for more than a season, right? You tried hard, but nothing was changing in your life. So you gave up. This thing must just be untrue. I think there's a lot of sticks in churches today. Sticks with good intentions. They want the real fruit, right? But they're just, they don't understand and they're going about it the wrong way. They're trying to produce it. They're trying to quit that habit. 
instead of allowing Christ to press into them and produce that fruit in their lives, right? I, I lived in this area for a long time in this very church, probably for a decade, coming to church, trying to change, trying to be holy, trying to do the right things, right? But all those things would just last for a season. I'd give up smoking for a month, right? And then I'd go right back to it. I'd give up this thing, and then I'd go right back to it. I'd try to not do this, or I'd try to do what I should do, and I could do it on my own strength for a little bit of time, but then there always came a time where I fell and went right back into that area. It's because I was doing it on my own power, by trying hard. Just try hard, just do better, right? And I was frustrated, and I remember questioning this thing. Is this stuff even real? Is what I read about even real? You will question that if you're doing it on your own strength, if you're trying harder, instead of abiding in him and remaining in him. The answer, I put this in a post on Facebook, is not try harder. It's not do better. It's move closer. Right? It's Mary and Martha. Martha running around, doing all the things for, for Jesus, for the disciples. And here's Mary just sitting at his feet. And Jesus says, man. Martha's like, tell my sister to help me. Right? And Jesus tells Martha that Mary's done the right thing. We need to be Mary's so that we can be Martha's later on. We need to be Mary's first, though, at the feet of Jesus Christ, right? All right, let's look at some types of sticks, though. Every stick has a story of how it went from being a branch to being a stick, a story of how it got disconnected to the vine. If you're familiar with the parable of the, the, the seed that is sown, you see this in this parable, right? Some branches become sticks through storms. Every time there's a good storm at my house, somebody has to go around the property and pick up sticks, right? There's a ton of sticks that are there. Storms have a way of, of revealing the strength of our connection, about showing us, are we really connected or, or are we not? They, they have a, a way of showing how strong that connection is. In the next chapter, Jesus warns his followers. In John 16, he says this, in this world, you will have trouble right? Another translation says, you will have many trials and suffering. The, the word for, for trouble here is not just difficult times. We, we're talking about something more intense. We're talking about affliction. We're talking about serious, devastating trouble. That's in their future, right? That's in our future as well. We're going to have those moments that pop up where somebody we love dies, where something happens where we lose a job, where, where that storm comes, Jesus warns them, hey, this stuff is coming. But then he says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, right? Because I have overcome the world. If he has overcome the world, then there's hope for us if we are in him and he is in us, right? There's hope. We need to see that. You're going to have storms in your life. And they will likely do one of two things. Either draw you closer to him in dependence or disconnect you from him. I know every time somebody gets a cancer diagnosis, it's going to do one of two things. 
It's either going to draw them close to God in, in reliance or it's going to make them question their relationship with God. I want to encourage you to make that connection with God, that relationship with God a priority, right? The other, the other way I see branches becoming sticks, the other big, big way is due to diseases, and I'm not talking about like a, a physical ailment. Uh, often these diseases, though, are, are hard to see until it's too late. In, in the last Wednesday night, we looked at, the, uh, uh, we looked at Judas, um, the one who betrayed Christ. And in the Bible, it tells us that uh, Jesus told the group, hey, one of you is going to betray me, right? And they had no clue who that was. Is it, they even asked, if it, is it me, Lord? Right? They had no clue it was Judas, but he had this disease inside him. He had this greed inside him that nobody else could see until it was too late, until it had taken its course, this, this love of, of money, right? Branches can rot from the inside, and that stuff can stay hidden, and you don't even know about it until it breaks off. And then you see all the things that happened through that. This is the effect that sin has in our lives, that sin, when it is unchecked, right, and unconfessed, sin that we excuse. Are you good at that? Are you good at rationalizing the thing that you know God is telling you to lay down? You know God is telling you to move in this direction, but uh, you've got a pretty good reason why it's okay for you to do that, right? That sin that we excuse or that sin that we hide or that sin that we try to handle on our own, right, can rot us from the inside out. I've seen a person refuse to forgive someone, and I've seen the rot that comes from that. I've seen unconfessed sin in my own life. I've seen hidden sin in my own life and how it affects my relationship with Jesus Christ. When you're involved in that sort of sin, do you think you want to spend time in God's presence? No, your natural reaction is to run, is to hide is to pray, I hope nobody finds out about it, right? We must confess it. We must fall at his feet and accept his grace and forgiveness from it. Author Philip Yancey tells of a time uh, uh, that he had this friend who was part of the church that he attended. This, this friend invited him to go out to coffee, and, and Yancey said that as soon as they sat down, this friend unveils this bombshell that uh, after 15 years of marriage, he was going to be leaving his wife. He had found somebody in his own admission who was younger, who was prettier, and most importantly, this woman was actually interested in him. And it wasn't that he had a bad relationship with his wife. There just wasn't a lot of intimacy there anymore. And so the man said to Yancey, look, I, I know that what I'm about to do is wrong. What I want to know from you, though, just straight up is, after I divorce my wife and I marry this woman, will God forgive me? That's what he wanted to know. And Yancey said he took his time sipping his coffee for a little bit and prayed about this. And this is what he said. He said, look, you want to know if God will forgive you? Yeah. God will forgive you for what you're about to do if you confess it, if you repent of it. But he said, here's the real question. Will you even want that forgiveness? Will you even want to go to God and ask that question, right? And the point he's making is that he was in danger of that sin hardening 
his heart and pushing him away from God. And that's what we need to be careful of too. When we're thinking, will God forgive me about these things? No, what would be the effect of going into that sin? Will our hearts be hardened? Will we even want God to forgive us? That happened with this guy. This guy went through the divorce, went through his plan, married his wife, and never stepped foot in that church again. And as far as Yancey knows, that guy has never repaired his relationship with Jesus Christ. God didn't move. But this man did, right? He disconnected himself from the vine. He didn't abide. And as a result, he withered, right? There's a lot of stick stories like that one. That's why Hebrews 3, 7 through 8 says this, and and please listen to this. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. In other words, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about sin, right, do not continue in it. Stop. Repent. Seek forgiveness for it. Don't put it off. Don't say, well, when things get back to normal or this or that happens or later on today, I'll take care of it. No, repent now. Seek forgiveness now. Fall at his feet now. Don't take the chance of your heart being hardened, right? You'll wither. Quit playing with things that you shouldn't be playing with. Quit messing around with that, right? You know it's not something you should be touching. Lay it down. If it's a person that you need to disassociate from, do that, whatever it is. Because if you don't, you're going to choose that thing or that person over your relationship with God, and you'll wither. Don't put it off. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you today. When you put it off, the Holy Spirit's voice gets quieter. Your heart gets harder. And it becomes more difficult day by day to respond. And before you know it, you're just a stick, disconnected, about to be thrown into the fire. If you need to hear that today, I hope that shakes you to your core. I hope you're praying and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. Most stick stories are, come from unexpected storms and unrepentant sin. And, and Jesus has a warning about these sticks. They're picked up, they're thrown into the fire, and they're burned. Be careful, my friends. In Scripture, we know that fire is a symbol of God's judgment. It's a symbol of his punishment, hell, eternal separation for God, from God. It's very real, right? And so Jesus is warning his followers. He's warning you and me. Look, stay connected to me, right? When the storms come, when you struggle with temptation, when you struggle with that sin, fall at his feet. Get back connected to him. Don't let the enemy speak lies that Christ wants nothing to do with you, that Christ just wants to punish you. No, like any good father. God wants our relationship restored, right? 
But we have to repent. We have to stay connected to Jesus Christ. Abide in me. Be that branch. What if right now you discover, hey, you know what? I'm disconnected, right? Maybe you're sitting out there and there is no connection. There is no real fruit in your life. Is there any hope? Can we be reminded of where we're at in human history, right, when all this is happening? Jesus and the disciples are walking along the road toward the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus would be arrested and where he would later be crucified. And this is the conversation that he's having with those people, those followers, before the cross, right? Here's why this matters. When, when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for sticks to become branches. He made a way for sticks to become branches. He died so that those who are dead can live again. Amen? And some of you, you're branches. You were branches. But man, you're fast becoming a stick. You're withering. You need to be restored, right? You may think your fruit-bearing days are over because of whatever choices you make. But if you hear the voice saying, get reconnected, right? There's still that opportunity. On the cross, Jesus made the way for sticks to become branches. There's an interesting process uh, when it comes to vines and branches called grafting. You've, you've heard that word, I'm sure, before, right? Like the grafting process in which they take a, a branch and they surgically connect it to, to a vine, to a tree, to a plant. The, the gardener will cut that V-shaped wedge into that trunk or into that vine, right? And uh, we just need to apply that to the metaphor that we're looking at today, right? Because God the gardener... Uh, cuts that V-shaped wedge into the vine. Who's the vine? We know that's Jesus, right? And that's the grafting process that we need to let happen. Do do you know what that process is called? It's called bleeding. That's what it's called. The gardener bleeds the vine so that a branch can be grafted in. My friends, in Christianity, it's all about the blood that was shed for us. Isn't it? It's all about being grafted in and being in Christ, right? The, the gardener takes the branch, prepares it. Do you, do you know how they do this in the process too? They strip that branch clean. They strip it clean. They, they cut everything off of it, all the twigs, all the stuff, right? All the leaves, anything on there. He cleans it. He strips it down. And then he puts it into where the vine is bleeding. And then the gardener seals the stick of the vine with some wax so that the connection is sealed. Ephesians 1.13 says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus bled so that sticks could become branches. A real church, right, is made up of a bunch of sticks that were grafted in by the blood of Jesus Christ and became branches that produce fruit. If we abide in him, if we remain 
in him and stay connected to him. But let me tell you something. The lack of connection, you can fake, but you can't fake it for long. You're going to wither and you're going to die. You can do all the ministry stuff, right? You can do all that ministry stuff. You can serve as that Sunday school teacher. But without that connection, you're going to wither. You're going to get burnt out. Right? And you're going to want to disconnect. I'm done with that ministry. I'm just burnt out. If you are not connected, everything flows from there. Be reminded of that. I feel myself getting burnt out all the time. My language starts to change. I start to get mean. I start to get angry. And as soon as those things happen and I realize it, I know I'm not focused in on connection. And I better get on my knees and spend time with him. And I know it's the same for you. Be careful. You find your attitude getting a little crappy, right? Getting a little bad. Get connected. Focus in on that, right? Be careful. Connection is everything. Please quit using the excuse that you don't have time for connection, right? Some of you have spouses or friends. I want you to imagine what your relationship would be like with them if you spent as much time with them as you do with God. Would you have a good relationship with them? Would you even know them, right? Would you know what would make them happy? Some of us would have horrible relationships if we were only spending an hour every other week with that spouse or with that friend. Let's flip that, though, right? What if you spent as much time with God as you do your spouse or that good friend that you have and you talk to them every day? You spent time with them every day because you really wanted to, right? What kind of relationship would you have? What would he be pressing into you? Right? At the end of this passage, God gives us a promise of how to begin to know what God wants, to know how to pray, right? Anyone struggle with that? What is God's will for my life? God, I don't know if you're even hearing me pray. Well, here's the promise in verse 7. It says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, right, how does that happen? We already talked about that. Time, prayer, Bible reading, just being alone with him, right? Surrendering our will to his. If you do this, look what it says will happen. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Holy moly, right? Don't take this as some magic formula. Okay, I spent 10 minutes a day for seven days, now giving me a million dollars, right? That's not that kind of promise. But what will happen if you abide in him and he presses into you? You will be shaped by his presence. Your will would conform, will conform to his will. You'll want what he wants, right? And when you're on the same page, you're going to be asking for the things that he'll say yes to. And he'll do whatever it takes. He'll answer those prayers, right? That's the heart of his desire for us to look like him. 
How are you doing with that? Listen, you can continually ask God for stuff, right? And, and if you're doing it and you, you're, you're outside of that connection, outside of that will, it's going to feel like you're banging your head against the wall. You're going to feel frustrated, right? And it's probably because you aren't abiding in him. You aren't spending time with him, surrendering your will to his, right? You don't know what he wants. And so you're asking for things that you want, things that will bring you glory instead of things that will bring him glory, right? Some of you, sometimes I just ask for stupid stick stuff. It's good for nothing instead of the eternal stuff, the real stuff. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What's the result if we start nailing this, right? By this, my Father will be glorified. Christ will be glorified. We'll bear much fruit and show ourselves to be his disciples. What's the proof that you're a Christian, a Christ follower? It's fruit that glorifies him, right? The fruit doesn't make you into a follower of Christ, but it is evidence that shows it. Would you stand with me? question I want to leave you with is this. Do you even want to bear fruit that brings glory to God? Do you even care about that? Do you want it, right? Do you care if you lead somebody to know Christ? Do you care if somebody makes that eternal decision? Do you care if you have more peace, patience, kindness, goodness flowing from your lives? Do you want to be set free? Right? If you do, it doesn't start with, well, I need to go produce some fruit. That's religion. Right? No, it starts with, I need to abide in Christ and allow him to press into my life. I need to surrender my will to his. That's what I'm calling you with. That's what I'm challenging myself with. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that all this is not dependent on me or us. Lord, I know what it's like to produce fake fruit that doesn't last. And Father, I don't want that. Father, I want us to be a church that produces good fruit. Lord, I want our families in here to experience dads who are growing in peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and love, Lord. I want wives to be growing in that. I want friends to be growing in that. Father, I want the world to see that. I want the world to see a different church, one that stands for truth but does it with a whole lot of grace, one who doesn't point fingers at people and condemn them, 
but stands next to them and wraps our arms around them and loves on them and tells them there's a better way. God's got more for them than what they're experiencing. Father, let us be growing in this. Father, let us realize that it's all dependent on our connection with you. Father, let us make that the focus of our lives. And Lord, let the evil one not have any say in this. Let us, when the evil one comes and reminds us of our past and those things that we've done, let us remind him that those things are gone. Those are things that we've confessed. Those are things that we have repented of, Lord. And that by God's grace, by what Christ did on that cross, those things are remembered no more. And we are new creations in Christ. Let us be in. Father, go with us. And let us glorify you in all that we do. Father, I pray if there's anybody dabbling in stuff that they shouldn't be doing, Father, do not let them excuse that, Lord. Make them miserable in it until they come to the point where they lay it down. And Father, when they do, give them freedom over it, Lord. And let them grow in that freedom as they abide in you. Remind us of how important that is, Lord. For we know that's where true growth comes from. Father, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.